Sustainable, the podcast, is listened to in 20 countries over five continents and features inspiring interviews with leaders of sustainable practices. With your host, Tabby Jane, CEO and founder of EarthSelf, creating a global movement to educate leaders and organizations on the transformative power of nature-centered business. In episode 57, I spoke with Nick Davies, founder of Neighbourly. Neighbourly is a platform for collaborative community action, a place to get involved, a place to inspire and be inspired by powerful stories from amazing community projects all around the world. Nick and I spoke about why it's important to bring people and organisations together to work, the power of collaboration and profit on purpose. Today, I'm speaking to Sandra Feltham. Sandra Fetman is a leading expert in corporate sustainability strategy and sustainable development based in the Czech Republic. Her company, Flagship CSR Consultancy, is the first area in the CEE region focusing solely on sustainable business and non-financial reporting. Flagship is also the official data partner of GRI in the Czech Republic and Slovakia. Sandra has worked in sustainability and communications for over 10 years. She is certified by the International Organisation Global Reporting Initiative in non-financial reporting and by the British IEMA in environmental management. She also has experience in PR and communications, working for multinational brands such as Four Seasons, KFC, Adidas, Originals, Arriva, R, A, V, G. And Sandra graduated from the Humboldt University in Berlin and speaks both fluent English and German. Welcome, Sandra. It's great to have you on Sustainable today. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to the interview. (laughs) Me too, Mm -hmm. especially considering all the stuff that we were talking about before the interview started. So why is corporate social responsibility and sustainable strategy in business so important to you? I think it's it's really crucial in, that it's in business because only businesses can really change the world, can change their thinking, can transform the world into being a better and help us like stay on this planet for a longer amount of time than as we are supposed to be now. Mm. That makes sense. <laughs> it, it, it does make sense. And it, this is this is exactly what we were talking about um, before before we started. So I'm glad that you mentioned it, because from what you're saying, and I know from what you've said before, businesses are a huge influence in the world. And when they're engaging in sustainable practices, the amount of power that they have can then move into a force for good and help us create that sustainable world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's it's one of the things I don't know if you've ever heard Sandra. I there's a quote by Amy Larkin who um is part of Nature Nature means business and I think she wrote a book about the true economic debt of something. I can't quite remember the title and she said there's there's only two forces in the world that are capable of changing this world sw- or as quickly as possible for good or for bad and that's nature and business. And for me, I'm like, well, if we put nature and business together, then it becomes unstoppable. 
Exactly. And it's not only changing to the better and to living a better world here, but it's improving the businesses. And this is the second side that that the businesses here, especially in the Czech Republic and in the whole sea, don't see. They just think, oh, it's doing something nice, okay, but we don't have money for that, we don't have time. But it's helping them improve their business and making it a better place for the employees, for the clients. And this is the other very important side of sustainability in CSR, I think. Yeah, that it does. It, it, it translates into a better financial bottom line. Yeah, So then on your one website, you say we help companies to be not just the best in the world, but be the best for the world. So what are some of the strategies that you use to make this happen? Well, strategies is just, it's all about sustainability. So getting a good sustainability strategy in the company, which is linked to their their business case, to their business goals. And then following it, measuring it, evaluating it and seeing how it works, if it's effective for them, if not, then how they should change it. But helping them actually implement sustainability into them and act this way. Yeah. And I, I think what I, I like about that is it's it's really important um, to make sure that any sustainability strategy you have is aligned with your business goals. And it, it's sometimes that I think people may, maybe forget about that. Is that something that you've experienced as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it has to be very on the spot. And it cannot be something on the side that we will do. No, because then it's never going to have the good effect and it's never going to have to work. Have It's never going to work because sustainably has to be in the values, in the ethic, in the company culture. And all the employees have to know about it. That's the only way how the company can then innovate, improve and move forward. Yeah. And I, I think what's key is the word that you've you've mentioned there is innovation. And it's something that I think a lot of businesses are looking to, to do is to how to become more innovative. And would you, well, from what you've said there, it's that there's a clear link between the more sustainable you are, the more innovative that you could become. Is that correct? Yeah, that's 100% correct. 100% because really the world is changing. The resources are are changing. Everything is becoming different. And in order for you to catch up with the trends, you need to change. You need to innovate. And that's one thing, I think, innovation. And the other huge thing what's happening now is that is the employees, how to attract the best employees and keep them and motivate them. And this is something that sustainability really helps in. So that's another big issue for companies, yeah, plus. Yeah, and I, I think that's great because, I mean, I, I was going to ask you about what are some of the benefits that the organisations see when they kind of like shift to, to implementing sustainability. And I mean, you've, we, we were just talking about it there. Not only is it helping you innovate, but it's actually helping you find those employees that are the best and retra- re- retain them. Um, you know, so fundamentally, it's, 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 it's reducing costs. And I know sustainability isn't necessarily about reducing costs, but it's not only impacting the financial bottom line in terms of potentially making you more money, but it can be saving you money as well. So it's like there's two two sides to the, the sustainability aspect of having it embedded within your organisation. Exactly. Yeah. For me, it's really the mainly the employees innovation and then the risk analysis, because now companies look very short term. They they review every year what was last year, what will be the next year. But what will be in 10 years, 
like that is something that nobody knows with all those changing politics and changing trends and this is something that we look in through with or thanks to sustainability Mm. and we can look in yeah so I, I like that so it's it's also helping companies to take a more longer term view to how they are still going to be making money 10 years from now rather than looking at it in the short term of every quarter or even going into every year exactly for sure as uh, an example can be cars if if a car maker would just keep selling cars on gas or on benzene or oil no I can't find the right words then he would he would like in a few years he would have to stop because the world is moving into electric cars but you can't make electric cars without the infrastructure so you have to also look into this side and it's just yeah it's all the trends that every company has to uh, take account of yeah, and work into its strategy. And I, I think that's hugely important because listening to you, it reminds me of a conversation that I had um, a few podcasts ago with a guy called Michel from um, Biomimicry Norway. And he was telling how he'd kind of come into the work that he was doing through going into the oil industry because he'd made the assumption that knowing that gas and oil are kind of like running out, that the oil industry would be kind of moving, being some of the forefronts of moving the renewable fields forward because they'd be looking for this long-term strategy. And he was pretty disillusioned to kind of come in and go, oh, but they're not really yet they have so much talent that if it was applied, they could actually help accelerate the industry forward quite dramatically. Yeah, but they still have a lot of power now. They have a lot of lobbyists and it's still working well. It's going to work for some time. But then there's companies like Tesla and many other car car companies who are changing already. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, well, it's it's competition that is moving the company also forward. And if the competition is going to start changing a bit, you have to also start changing. Mm. And I, I, I like that because I think it's it's it's, it's kind of like a, a reminder there of what you're actually seeing in competition. If you're a company that's smart enough to actually see sustainability as an opportunity for growth and recognise it can give you a competitive advantage, then coming into this place of competition, you then become a market leader because you're challenging the status quo and dominating the market before it's fully established. Exactly. That's what I always say. It, uh, sustainability gives you competitive advantage. And it's very true. It does. It really does. Yeah. So then what resources can you recommend to businesses or people who are listening within businesses that are wanting to start taking a more strategic approach towards CSR and sustainability and really start to see it as a competitive advantage rather than just something that needs to be ticked? Well, we cooperated a lot with GRI, the Global Reporting Initiative, who are the standard setters in non-financial reporting. And they have a very nice website with all the databases from all over, with one database from, with non-financial reports from all over the world. And I think I always tell companies to go there and you can search like the same field where you work in or the region and look how other companies have non-financial reports and how they do their sustainability strategy so that's like a nice step just to see what's what's in the what the competition is doing or what's in the area of your field to look at uh, yeah at those non-financial reports 
so that would be i guess the like the among the first steps to just yeah to just have the know-how of what's happening and how it looks could look like yeah yeah and uh, what is the website then for the the gri I think it's like a sustainability disclosure database of GRI. If you Google that, if you put this in Google, it will come up. Perfect. That's great. Just so that we know where people can kind of go. And I've I've just quickly pulled it up as well. Is and there's um, yeah, GRI um, standards global reporting org as well. Um, so yeah, because the, yeah, the, there's a lot of resources online, but not many are good. You know, they there's still you can find a lot about how CSR is actually charity, how it's greenwashing, a lot on that, which is which is sad. But yeah, or especially here in the Czech Republic, that's how it is. Yeah, well, I I think we're we're kind of seeing that all over, and it's how do you shift from seeing it as a tick box into recognizing that it's it's something that is that competitive advantage and it's it's funny because hearing you talk about it there's definitely a progression and a path and there's almost like stage one to see sustainability as a tick box then step two recognize that it can save you money step three um I don't know what step three would be, but you, you get the gist until you get to maybe step five or six where it's, oh, competitive advantage, let's go. Yeah, well, fortunately, lately, the international organizations and there's the Pri Paris Climate Agreement and the European Union issued a, a directive and they're all push, starting to push it more and more forward. So that's also helping for people to see it's CSR starting to be different from tick the box to something that's really needed. So also thanks to, yeah, thanks to all these organizations, it's moving a bit more forward. That's uh, another positive thing. Yeah, no, it is absolutely great. So then what are some of the practices that you adopt in your own organization to help make sure that you've got a really good strategy on sustainability and social responsibility? Well, we're, we're still a startup. We're small, but we are part of the B Corporation movement. So we do their analysis every year and we try to be active in the community, although we haven't been so much, but we're working on it. And, well, we try from the basic stuff, like to buy ecological stuff uh, for the cleaning, for the office, for the fair trade coffee, like all these little stuff, up to measuring our emissions, measuring our how much we consume electricity, energy, and all this. Yeah, so it's concerning our strategy of our company it's very small now because we're a few people so it's hard to say but uh, the basics all the basics that we need to do we do yeah and I, I think that's kind of like you're making an important point there is that when we are coming to making sure that our sustainability strategy is aligned with our business objectives I love it little dog saying hello in the background that's okay I love that <laughs> 
it's, 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 we have to also take into consideration the size of the organisation as well. So the sustainability strategy for a startup is going to be dramatically different compared to an established small business compared to a medium sized business and compared to, you know, a big global corporation. And it's I think it's important to kind of take that into consideration as well. Do you agree? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's It all starts with the values and with the ethics and then how you act on them. And that's what a startup can do. He can have his values, he can have his, his little strategy and then act uh, and ecologically in the stuff you buy, act ethically to your employees and stuff like that. But the bigger the company grows, then it, the strategy has to be more structured, it has to be more monitored, more evaluated. So, of course, yeah. I agree that it's completely different. Yeah. So then I'm, I'm I'm curious, Sandra, who do you most admire and why? In the sustainability field. In the sustainability mean? field or in general? I'll let you interpret this however you want. Okay. Well, I don't have any one single person. I think I just admire companies that are really pushing the whole sustainability field forward. Like, for example, Marks and Spencer, we just did a case study on them and they're doing great stuff. Also Unilever and Paul Polman, they're also doing some tremendous. And it's those bigger companies that really embedded sustainability into them and are doing a difference, even though it's not every time very financially or economically good for them but still they're going through and this I think is great because for the long term it will really pay off. Mm. So then what are some of the the things because I I love the fact that you've done like a case study on Marks and Spencers and then you're also talking about Unilever so what are some of the key strategies that they've adopted that you really admire? Well they've got hundred commitments it's called like plan A and it's based on 100 commitments, what they want to do in their whole company and their supply chains. And I think the nicest is how they deal with their supply chains and with, with like little farmers somewhere in Asia that they source, for example, cotton from. And this is, some, this is so hard to get for a big company to really know where all its suppliers is coming from, who they are and how they can help them which Mark Spencer really is doing. They're doing programs for the little farmers somewhere in Indonesia to help them, uh, teach them how to invest their money better, how to grow better cotton and stuff like that. So they're really going into details on, on all of their business areas or in the supply chains mm. and this is great I think this is great and it's something because it's as you say I noticed that the bigger the company gets the harder that it is to kind of find that whole supply chain and what you're saying is Marks and Spencers is really a role model in terms of looking at the supply chain and what they're doing to to make sure that they're taking care of everything no matter how far away and how small it is Exactly. Yeah. And only and by doing this, then in the long term, they will have very loyal and very good suppliers, stable suppliers that will and then 
that they can use then for themselves, you know. So it is a win-win situation, but in the very long term. Yeah, but I, I think, and this is an important point, because, you know, getting back to what you, what you were saying earlier, you know, very few companies are sitting thinking of 10 years down the line. And what I'm hearing you say is that Marks and Spencers are smart enough to know that in the future, there potentially could be problems in terms of where you're going to get cotton to make clothes or whatever else. So they're investing the time and energy now to make sure that they've got loyalty from people by taking care of them so that further down the line when we have less resources or less cotton resources, say if that's going to happen, Marks and Spencers can guarantee that they're going to get it. Yeah, exactly. And not only loyalty from the farmers, but also that they know it's, I don't know, organic cotton that is very good quality. They will get the amount they need and stuff like that. They can, they have 100% control over it which I think majority of the companies can't say now about their supply chains. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a really interesting way of looking at it. And um, I'm glad that you mentioned Marks and Spencers there, because again, high quality, stable supply, people who are loyal, um, which is going to help them further down the line when those companies that haven't taken the time now to build these relationships are going to be scrabbling, looking for resources. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. So what is one of your most favourite memories of a time or place in nature and why? Of a time and place in nature? Yes. Oh, that's any time. <laughs> I don't really, I, I live in the centre of Prague, yeah, so in the centre of a city. I don't go, don't get in the nature so much, mm. to say the truth. But I think it's important for everyone to go there regularly, get the energy and calm down mm. so, so do you have a, a favorite spot that's outside Prague perhaps that you go to regularly no not really I don't <laughs> yeah I, I enjoy my holidays when we then go to some places that, that are tourist free and you know somewhere far in Asia but mm. I don't really have a favorite place like this no, that, that's cool. I'm interested. So what is it about even your holiday experiences that you, you choose to go on holiday away from tourist spots into nature? I mean, what, what, what are the benefits that you get from having holidays like that? Yeah, because I think it's really important to calm the head, to in general calm yourself and get back to the roots, as, as we say here in Czech. Because our society is very fast, is there's globalization, there's the consumerism, everything you buy, you, you everything's fast, 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 money, money, money. So to get out of this circle and see that actually the world is about something else, and to kind of heal yourself, you need mm. to get out. <laughs> yeah. And does this, be alone. yeah, and do these experiences when you do go out and get out and be alone and heal yourself? Do they impact or influence like the work that you're doing at all? I think they do because it's it's getting back to the basics and CSR and sustainability is about the basics. It's about the logic, it's about eth basic ethics and morality and it is about just looking at our world and seeing what really needs to be done and what how we should how we should treat it and how we should take care of it and that's what sustainability kind of wants you to do and that's what even nature tells you yeah, yeah. 
And it's, it's, it's kind of funny because the, the, the words that came up when we were talking earlier was common sense and how this stuff is just common sense. And it was it was fascinating because I was reading somewhere, I can't even remember where I was reading it, and they were talking about that in the States, instead of talking about sustainability as sustainability, they've had to use the words common sense because especially getting into the more rural country areas, they resonate with common sense more than they do the word sustainability. And I, I, I love that. And it's just like, it's common sense. Yeah, because it's true that the word sustainability is sometimes not very well known. Like here, I, maybe you've noticed I use a lot of CSR, even though I don't think it, it like shows the whole of sustainability, but that's something that people at least know a bit about. But sustainability, nobody really knows. He thinks that's something to do with some environmental protection in the tw- next 30 years or mm. they don't know. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think it's, it's, it's that difficulty, isn't it? Because it's, it's finding the words that people get and people understand in order to get them into sustainability and it's you know I I think that's a challenge for so many people within the field of how do you just explain this in a way that people understand yeah that's yeah that's very right you always have to yeah make it like tailored to the person or to the company for him to get it yeah that's true so then what is the one thing that you want people to take away from our conversation today Sandra the one thing is, I'm talking from the perspective of the sea region from Czech Republic, mm-hmm. where sustainability and CSR is really behind. And when people uh, hear about it or know it, they think it's greenwashing and uh, throwing out money and giving it to charity and stuff like that. So what I always want people to know is that actually sustainability is the only way how we can not only save this planet and act well to people and the nature around us, but it's also a very intelligent business way of thinking and improving not only yourself, but your company, your community, your country. So it has huge amounts of benefits. Yeah. That, uh, and I think that's very important. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I think that's a great reminder. Thank you so much for joining me on Sustainable Today, Sandra. You're welcome. And thank you very much. If listening to the show has inspired you to find out more about nature centered business, go to www.earthself.org and click on the nature centered tab. And as always, if you or someone you know would make a great guest on the show, please get in touch. Next time on Sustainable, I'm speaking to Otto Ruschlin, the founder and director of Peer Administration, which provides a comprehensive package of accounting and tax services for businesses and non-profits. 70% of their employees are highly trained financials that have a so-called occupational disability. And Otto and I are talking about the importance of diversity in the workplace. New episodes of Sustainable are released every Tuesday. Subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud. Get them sent straight to your inbox by signing up at www.earthself.org. Or come on over and join the conversation on our LinkedIn podcast page.